Welcome to the Realizing Genius Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Christensen. This is where we dive in each week to chat about parenting, education, and realizing our children's genius. I'm an educator with a background in individualizing learning, and I'm obsessed with helping people find and nurture that genius in their children and themselves. Let's dive in. Hi, geniuses. Today I have Dr. Phil Hickman with me, and I am so excited to hear more about you, more about how you can help uh, parents and students and teachers with the amazing things that you do for us. So first of all, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, first of all, good afternoon, and and thank you for inviting me to your show. Uh, You have a great audience space, and so this is an honor. Um, well, just a little bit about myself. I, I have five graduate degrees and a doctorate, and I did everything in the field of education, uh, from a teacher assistant to special education. I was a school psychologist, uh, assistant principal, principal of all grade levels. Uh, and then I was, a. Um, uh, I actually came back and started a charter school in Kansas city, was co-founder of a charter school. And then I went on to be an area superintendent in Houston, um, Texas. So I had 300 schools, 210,000 students. Uh, and then I was a superintendent in a, a rural um, district uh, in Mississippi. Uh, and then I was a national ambassador for United States Department of Education. Uh, and then kind of those culminating experiences kind of led me to uh, become the founder and CEO of Playbook, uh, which is an innovative reading technology. So, and, and, I, and I've written some books and, and those kind of things, but that's kind of it in short. <laughs> wow. I mean, that in short, <laughs> oh my goodness, that's definitely an understatement. You have definitely played all the role, uh, different roles in education. That is amazing. Um, so glad you're here today. Uh, yeah, I know Playbook is what you're doing now. How did you go from that world of education, what made you change to doing this? Or are you still involved in the academic arena? Yeah, of course, I'm still involved in in academic and do a lot of consulting with school districts and um, supporting building leaders uh, and also helping with uh, curriculum curriculum initiatives in different areas. Um, You know, uh, I kind of forgot one of my most important roles and I was a role as a parent. Uh, and, and, you know, being a parent, being the first educator of, of my children uh, and watching my children right now are, are, as they're in, in college, one of them, um, I just uh, panicked because I, I uh, he has a full scholarship to USC in astronautical engineering, computational neuroscience. And so I, I just got back from taking them up there. And then all of a sudden there's a hurricane. <laughs> and then there's an earthquake. It's like, wait a minute, <laughs> where am I dropping my baby off to? Um, but, uh, I, I say that because everything kind of led me to playbook, meaning looking at the education system, being in the education system from all different levels, from in the classroom to the building level administrator, to a district level administrator, to, uh, at the national level, uh, and, and seeing uh, some of the holes and gaps in, in what we're providing for our students. I mean, you know, the, the regular statistics that I always quote, 75% of our children uh, in fourth grade in the United States currently read below grade level. Uh, and, you know, it, that leads to a, a lot of different things, you know, uh, 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 high school dropouts where we have high schools that are, are literally dropout factories. Uh, 
where they only graduate, you know, 20 and 30 and 40% of our, our students. And we know that the the 73% of crime in the United States is created by high school dropouts. And then we go into the penal system and that's, you know, 82% you just have a reading impairment that has never been corrected. Um, and some of the things that kind of uh, enrages me as a, as a former educator and led me to that path was that the research is clear that um, 95% of children, if given correct instruction, uh, can read on grade level. Uh, and so um, some of the things that, uh, you know, I, I get upset with and I want to be a part of the solution is that, you know, right now we're the only industry that's allowed to function at a failure rate. Uh, no other industry will be in existence or will continue their model in that in that way. And one of the things that I looked at in reading is just on a basic level, like, you don't have to be a genius <laughs> to figure this out, is that the only way that we assess, mass assess reading right now or intervene in reading is we quietly have a child read a paragraph and then answer multiple choice questions. Well, that's reading comprehension. That has nothing to do with basic reading. Uh, in fact, the, the reason why uh, uh, children struggle with those multiple choice questions is not because they don't have comprehension. You can talk to them, they can they can regurgitate any song, tell you the meaning of it. You can have a full-blown conversation with kindergartners, you know, first graders, second graders. It's not, it doesn't even matter what, what grade level, but it's the fact that they spend so much energy trying to decode and read the text that they have nothing left to comprehend. And so I wanted to kind of develop a solution that from, from a, 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 a standpoint can really, uh, you know, listen to a child read, diagnose their speech, uh, and do recommendations, and then also personalize, send personalized instructions to the student. And, and that's what led me uh, to develop the playbook. Some of my other experiences when I was uh, working with Apple uh, and Amazon, uh, and, then, and also Oracle, uh, some of the top technology companies uh, that I worked in, um, I, I saw people developing education products that had no experience in the classroom or had no experience in education. They just thought it was a good idea from their past experience um, and, and genius ideas, but again, when you, you know, no matter how uh, creative it looks, if you're just having a child point and click and answer multiple choice questions, um, then th that's not actually teaching or have them practicing the, the skill of reading. Yeah, yeah. Now, now your software, your app that you have created, it it uses AI to actually have the kids read into it, correct? Yeah, and so it uses AI for two purposes. One is a, a it has a, a, a natural language processing, um, and then it listens to the child. And, and, and basically, we hear over 145 different accents in regional dialect, and our AI can take that into account and, and then tell you. The other thing is that we actually can hear all the way down to the phonemic level. So for the first time, um, our speech uh, recognition or our speech engine outperforms all speech engines. Um, one is that we have a children's data set, which most people don't even deal with uh, because a child's voice changes every time. They, they The voice squeaks, it cracks. One minute they have front teeth, the next minute they don't have front teeth. So <laughs> frog no longer is frog, right? And so uh, that throws off uh, an AI that, that has a, a data set that's been trained. So we train it on, on, on children's voices and, and the, the nuances uh, on children's voices. And then again, we can we can break speech down to the unit of speech, which is the first time. So if a child read the word bat, we hear b, 
at or the lack thereof. And so a child can read, we can tell you where they're lacking in their phonics and phonemic uh, awareness and, and all those kind of things, which the science, it's consistent with the science of reading um, that says that, you know, we have to, we have to teach that, that phonics and phonemic um, paradigm. Okay. So my audience is predominantly homeschoolers. W would they be able to get this app and work with their kids directly, or do they need to have a teacher involved? So that's a that's a, a very good question. Um, we have started out, and we're you know across the United States and school districts, um, and now we're actually uh, rolling it out to homeschoolers. Um, we're we're kind of right now doing it on a case by case basis uh, because we're looking at our subscription model and trying to figure out the price point. Uh, we have a lot of people that have signed up uh, for homeschoolers, just kind of the pilot. Uh, you know, how does that look? Because there's a um, there's an instructional component that uh, it, what, what our tool does, it supports the instruction that you're giving, your core curriculum. So a lot of times assessments and tools like in reading tools are made in isolation of the core curriculum or, or what that person is intended to teach. And so, for instance, let's say you're teaching um, uh, syllables or you're, you're teaching, uh, you know, CBC blends or something like that. Uh, then it doesn't matter that that tool that you put them on, they're going to assess an array of things. And so we actually can drill down to the skill, which the science reading says, exactly what your core curriculum or, or, or what it is that you're teaching your student or your child. Uh, and then we can give you feedback um, as far as the child's performance and where the child is on that and how well your instruction came across. And then in the backdrop, uh, we use gamification to personalize instruction for the child. So we actually literally build hundreds and hundreds of personalized games that a child is playing, but it's actually geared towards that, that academic skill. So the games that we recommend with the child is based on the deficits that the child has. And our games go to the highest level of activity to where they actually have to produce the sound. So even at the, the simplest level, if, if uh, most games will say, um, this is the letter A. The A makes the A sound, you know, can, or, or what sound does the letter A make? And you will have a child drag an A onto an apple and then it tells it to the child. Well, the child never produced it. The child never practiced it, you know. And, and so therefore, when you look at reading fluency, that child really didn't, that skill doesn't carry over. For us, that child has to, in order to advance their character, that child has to produce that sound. Oh, that's awesome. Or, or read that word or, or blend or whatever the skill is that the child has to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know, I mean, I was uh, a teacher for years for a charter school, and I've worked, I've been homeschooling for over 20 years, and I work with lots of families, and there are so many families who's who are homeschooling because their kids are having issues that are not being met in the school. And exactly. so, yeah, but things like reading challenges or you know, even math challenges as well, D dyslexia, dysgraphia, I mean, all of these different challenges, they're, especially if they're doing it on their own, it gets kind of hard. So I can see how this would be an amazing tool for them to do that. So what kind of feedback does the app give to the teacher or or parent? Yeah, and so that's the other thing. Our, our, our device is geared towards also giving recommendations to the adult in order to drive their instruction. So we, we developed an informative 
assessment or an informative tool. Uh, and, and what that means is it's not uh, like a benchmark assessment where you give it beginning of year, middle of year, end of the year, and that tells you a, a summary. And it's actually latent data that you get. We give you real-time data. And, and again, it informs what you need to do next in order to close that gap of that student. So yeah, it's, it's, it's perfect in that aspect. Uh, and of course, um, my school psychology background, uh, you know, we built in uh, support for dyslexia, dysgraphia, and those kind of things as well. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, no, the formative assessment, I think, is something that I pr much prefer that those, those benchmarks are more important to the schools to see that progress, but that formative, I mean, if you're working with a kid and it's your kid and you're working with them every day, it's, it's a whole, that those formative assessments, something that you can see where they are and help them take that next right step and exactly. go go for mastery rather than just a passing grade. Right. I mean, that that's one of the big benefits of homeschooling that I, I love. And oh, I love oh, it. Yeah. You're able to personalize with your child. And the, the thing of what I like to say playbook is also is it's a GPS. And so the problem is when a child is going down their learning journey and they supposed to make a left, but they make a right, we never catch them until they're miles down the wrong road. And what we have to do is we have to then catch the child up to the starting point and then catch the child out, child up to the children that are miles down the correct road. And, and it's impossible to do, especially when you have more than one child, because you don't know what area they keep getting off direction. And so Playbook kind of gives you that heads up, say, hey, you know, and then it gives you an alternative route, just like a GPS does, to get to the same end, end goal as everyone else, real time. And, and so that's important when I talked about the latency data, is that when you do benchmarking or when people say they're doing progress monitoring, that progress monitoring is still too late and that child has went off course and then developed bad habits while they're going off course at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Now, Playbook also has math. Can you tell me a little bit about that as well? Yeah, our math is, um, we use augmented reality. Uh, and so the child, it's a, uh, we use either, you have to use a tablet or a phone, but your child is, is immersed uh, in their environment, in their home environment. Uh, and so they can they can do math and still, see it, you know, uh, uh, Ruby, which is our robotic owl, uh, which is, you know, pattern after my grandmother who taught me how to read. I was a struggling reader in third grade, but, um, and she later passed away on my fourth grade birthday, but, you know, she gave me a gift uh, of, of reading. And, and so our kids love it, but not only that, so it's, it's gamified, it has a quest. And so you're, you know, not only does it have just kind of skill building gamification, uh, in an augmented reality standpoint, but it also has a quest game where Ruby is traveling through certain planets and you have to solve problems. The neat thing about it is that the teacher can upload questions in any of our activities. And when the teacher upload questions, those questions are real time. And so it, you can upload it, or, or teacher or parent can upload it to all their kids, can upload it to one child. And that when that child is playing that game, those level questions that are specific to what that person, the adult, wanted that, that child to learn are right there in, uh, in that quest activity. Oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. I, yeah, so many people, um, homeschoolers, that idea of teaching math, especially when their kids are struggling, 
I, I know I, I've talked to several people about, you know, women who are like, okay, I, I can't, he, he doesn't remember, he can't get this concept. And it's like, <laughs> you know, using those Lamas breathing to just kind of go, I'm not going to wring my child's neck, you know, just right. be patient. Right. So I was, this, this just sounds amazing. So what are the best ages for this? I mean, is it? We, we, we talk with pre-K, but, but probably kindergarten to about uh, sixth grade uh, okay. for both platforms um, is, is probably a, a good point. We use it for older kids for intervention, uh, okay. but we wouldn't, you know, what should happen is that you, you use it at a young enough age to where it's not needed <laughs> yeah. For, yeah. for your older child uh, in that sense. I wanted to add to what came to mind is that some of them, the real also equally important themes are our smart dashboards where we use uh, AI to uh, kind of summarize points to give you um, smart insights on the, the actual real-time performance of, of what your child is doing. And so that you don't have to be a data scientist or you don't have to you know, understand graphs in that sense that we constantly are talking to you as you go over the graphs and we're giving highlights and and telling where the child is and, and, you know, perspective to the growth, the progress, or where they're at to other students who are on the platform, uh, you know, within within the community. Uh, and, I, and I think that's real important. One of the things that uh, the reason why I really wanted our, our dashboards to be relevant, to be smart, and to inform is that, you know, if you look at it from a school standpoint, I believe that schools sit on, it, well, not just I believe, I mean, the research is showing that schools actually sit on as much data as a, as a Fortune 500 company. Uh, okay. But yet we're the only organization that don't use real-time data to drive instruction, <laughs> you know? And so all the data that we have, uh, if you think about businesses, I mean, they know end user customer behavior down to a science to where I can walk in the store and I get recommendations on my phone or, or I can, you know, I can scroll through social media and all of a sudden it's real, it's real personalized commercials that are only specific to me. And you know what? I'm hungry now, you know, it's like, <laughs> and, and so they, they know user behavior. Well, we have that, we have that information on our child or, or on students. And yet we, you know, we don't really use that data to drive instruction or to drive uh, decision-making that we can, you know, uh, mitigate some of the behaviors or the academic uh, deficits that are within our students. Well, bringing that up, I mean, one of the things I am passionate about is trying to help the school system change because you're right, it does not meet the needs of the individual kids, you know, in that way. I could see how like playbook could be kind of integral in that. Do you see, I mean, because you've been in that in so many different ways, deep into academia, what changes do you see coming? Or um, are, they, are they still stuck? I think it's a, it's a, it's a slow moving shift and it doesn't have to be. Uh, I think that the change is slow. See, here's, here's the scary part. So the research is saying in 2035, 2040, between that time period, 85% of jobs that will exist, that will exist have not been created yet. Mm -hmm. 
but we do know that they're going to have an aspect of technology and and by the way reading reading uh proficiency a high level of reading because you're going to have this little black box in your hand and that you're going to have access to all information in the world like nothing's hidden like you you know with chat gpt or whatever you already now can look up anything and so the, the what you're going to have to do is that that means there's also going to be bad information so you're going to have to be able to read through and critically think through the information and be able to apply it like that's that's where your your value is going to be and um and and so and then and the other aspect of it is that the the skills that are praised in schools right now are are no longer relevant so to to memorize and regurgitate facts that's Again, I can talk to Chat GPT and and pull up real high level scientific information, you know, and have it broken down for me. And so, you know, that's that's no longer going to be a skill of yours. And then if you even look in the workforce, all that automation, and, and I and I really do not just mean automation, meaning uh, um, I, I'm not um, lower not lower level jobs, but you know what I mean, uh, automated jobs, and that's. Uh, the law field is, I mean, right now, chat GPT can break down any case and, and give you a summary information. And so where you don't need your your uh, beginning lawyers, where you just have that one lawyer in the medical field. Oh, my goodness. I mean, they already uh, the FDA has already approved an AI formula that can detect um, after breast cancer can recommend the appropriate intervention that's 99 percent. Uh, successful that it doesn't come back. Uh, doctors usually 55, 60% at best in any medical field. Uh, and that's why it's called practicing medicine. It, you know, they have to go through. And so you already have technology that can not only pres uh, prescribe, but also can diagnose with act with that same level of accuracy. Uh, and so, and I can keep naming fields and fields and even, um, I think the neat thing when I was talking to my doctor, he said, you know, and, and I agree with him, technology will not, in that sense, will not replace a human. It will shorten the the amount of humans, but but that human needs to know how to utilize that technology in order to to make informed decisions. The same thing that we just talked about with data. The same thing where I had a friend that that owns McDonald's, and, I, and at one point in time, I was like, you know what, you're you're basically eliminating positions, and he said. No, we're actually repurposing positions. Who do you think has to uh, fix this technology, or repair it, or maintain it? You know, or, or you know, or, or build it. All those kind of things is is just reskilling the workforce. And the problem is schools are not reskilling our workforce. That's that's not what we're doing. We're not creating thinkers. We're not creating cre you know creative collaborative uh, folks. Um, and, and just one more thing I wanted to say was you know the the four C's. Is, is kind of what everyone is saying. Like that is the hallmark of what you have to have students come out and that's creativity, collaboration, critical thinking and um, communication. Uh, and the reason why that's important is I remember at Apple a um, long time ago, you had the smartest person, you, they had their own office, you locked them in a room and they create something great. Well, now, it's they put a group of people in a room and one person is just one group are just working on the butt and one group is, you know, it's just, and then they have to be able to communicate in that group and then communicate and, and collaborate together as a whole using creativity and solving a problem. And if, and we're not teaching that with students right now. 
Uh, and, and the good old roles um, in the classroom were only good for one, the factory era, and two, for the janitor to be able to whip that mop and clean the floors real good. That's the, the only purpose. And so when you say change, you go to a classroom, it still looks the same. We still have the same things going on in the classroom, which is, it's, it's saddening. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, we're in a, you know, our education system is stuck in the, you know, <laughs> hundred years ago. And we are now, especially with AI, we're like jumping a hundred years ahead of time in, right. in uh, technology. And um, our kids can get lost, you know, just left behind. So, um, but back to playbook, I could really see how by having this tool, it could help get kids back on track if they're off yes. track. And especially with, I mean, I know, I quit you know, during COVID because I was so upset with how things were going in the school systems. It just, and there were so many kids having just such serious issues that were just not being met effectively. Right. Right. And I, did, I, I didn't feel like I could be effective in that arena anymore. So, um, but this, something like this, where it's, you're getting that, formative assessment constantly and you can make those changes you can help them and it's fun i mean if it's gamified right. i mean the kids are having fun doing it and that's oh, yeah. you know if they're learning and there's a reward system built in there too and oh, so cool. yeah they get a token economy where they earn coins and it's and it's a formula based off their success at reading at certain grade levels uh you know in progress and all those kind of things and and as for the activities and they and then we have a bunch of whimsical games. So not just the academic games, but they academic games they don't have to earn. That is recommended to them. The whimsical games, they actually love them. I mean, it's at all grade levels, a bunch of different games, arcade style games. And they only last for five to ten minutes because we want the child to log onto the platform to read to play games as opposed to log onto the platform to play games all day and then happen to, you know, read to to, to gain some more coins. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's meeting the kids where they are and, you know, letting them have fun. And, you know, whether we like it or not, I think the phones and the tablets and, you know, the screens are here to stay. We just have to use them effectively. And yeah, it, it's a, this is our first true digital native children. I mean, they're born with a phone in their hand. Um, and, you know, I, I've seen two year olds. Well, you know, you go to Walmart or whatever store or Target or whatever, you know, flows your vote and you will see kids in a baby basket manipulating a phone and, and watching video, you know, it, and it's like, this is a digital native generation. We can't feel it because we wasn't a part of that. And even my, my children that are in college uh, and in high school, they're still, you know, they were still kind of uh, teetering on the fence. But no, this group that's coming through. This is truly a digital native, and we, we just have to respect that. Uh, and like you said, we have to meet them where they are. We cannot bore them uh, to death, um, and so we have to be careful. Um, and, 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 you know, when I was a superintendent, I told my teachers, I said, technology will not replace teachers, but those who use it will replace those who don't. Because you have to. You have to differentiate uh, instruction in your classroom. You have to try to meet the, and personalize ed uh, education and meet the needs of all students. The, the problem is, is that our, our babies, they kind of look like a Swiss cheese effect. They have holes in their learning. 
And simply, if we can accurately diagnose those holes and prescribe a solution, uh, a mediation for those uh, remediation for those holes, and plug them in, then you you will have a solid student. You have a solid reader. You have a solid person performing the math. But because they have so much holes in their foundations, and we keep moving them on, um, and, and, you know, they they they're missing key concepts to be able to grasp the, the next concept. But then, therefore, we label them a below performing below level student. You talk to them, they're they're a smart smart person, smart kid. It has nothing to do with their cognitive ability. Is that they actually have holes in their foundational learning, and playbook is is made to plug those holes. Yeah. And so often when they have those holes, they start believing that they are less than. And, oh, yeah. that, and that that's another reason why I homeschooled is I wanted all of my kids to be able to, you know, I have five boys and, <laughs> you know, boys too often in today's world, you know, if there is, I'm sorry, there, there are gender differences in general. And um, little boys need to move around. Yeah. And if, if they can't sit in their seats, then they get prescribed Ritalin. And, you know, I my my boys, you know, I had a, a little trampoline that we would do all of our, our schoolwork on if need be, if they needed to move yeah. around. And, um, but you need to just be able to meet the needs of where they are. And, and um, anyway, it, it's something that if we can, change how schools work so that they can meet the needs and not push the kids you know on before they're ready to go right um well, that that's just what we need to i i just feel that's really important so no i i totally agree with you and as a as a school psychologist you know as a gatekeeper i will see all the time where people are saying this child is adhd or, or this that, and the other and i'm like no Absolutely not. Or this child is, has a learning disability. And I'm like, absolutely not. They have holes in their learning. I mean, the research is clear. If a child goes through one bad teacher, they drop. I mean, even if they're like at a hundred percentile, let's say, you know, they drop to 70. Two years of a bad teacher, that child drops all the way down to the 40th percentile. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, you're like dooming a child. And, and that's why, all, you know, I've been in school systems where the teachers, uh, you know, th their parents, and they're saying, I don't, uh, you know, Dr. Hickman, can I not have my child with this teacher? Like, <laughs> like we shouldn't have schools where, you know, we can all identify, uh, you know, who, who that, that person is. And so, yeah, it's, it's, you know, and, and, and like you said, there are some things that need to be addressed. There are some culture issues. Um, you know, uh, I, I always tell everybody when I'm, when I'm driving through uh, Tennessee, there's nothing but fruit trees that grow. But as soon as I hit Mississippi, there's cotton uh, that grows. And, and, and the reason is, is because climate determines what grows. And so the same thing is your climate and culture determine what grows within your school system, within your home, uh, you know, wherever else you want to put it. And, and so, you know, um, and, and the, the other thing I say is uh, a system is perfectly designed to produce what it's producing. And our, our schools are, are at times are perfectly designed. A failing school is designed to fail. And there's, nothing else about it. I mean, it's, it, it, if you look at the systems, you look at the way we go about it, all those kind of things. It's a harsh reality. I'm not saying um, that people are intentional and that's it. I'm just saying that systemically people fit into cogs to where um, it's, they're actually uh, being a part of the problem. And, yeah. and something else you said was 
Like, for instance, let's say who says reading has to be 45 minutes a day. So let's say if I'm a student and I need it 47 minutes. And as soon as I'm almost having an aha moment, we close up the book and move to another subject. Or what if I'm a student that needed 10 minutes of, of that reading a day and I'm bored, I have to sit there and be bored the, the rest of the 35 or so minutes, you know, that, that everybody fumbles through. Yeah, and there's no, if you're not personalizing instruction and, and like you said, uh, uh, you know, that that makes it, that, that, that disenfranchises both groups of students. Our gifted kids are, are probably our largest uh, population that's dropping out of school because they're bored, they're disengaged. Yeah, my, my oldest son, um, when he was going into kindergarten, I knew I wanted to homeschool, but I had a, a toddler twins and an infant, a newborn. And I'm like, okay, we're gonna have to put this off for a little while. But in first grade, last year he was in a school. In first grade, he had a teacher who said, okay, you have to read either this book or this book. One of them was very, you know, something that he had already read. And the other one was something he totally did not want to read. Right. And, but she didn't give him any other choices. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's making him not even want to read. And so we just, it's like, okay, don't read anything. I don't care what grade you get, you know, we'll just read on yeah. our own. And meanwhile, she's, you know, these little teeny tiny books. And he, he instead was reading Harry Potter and, and <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. So, but, but where do we do that in real life? Like if we pick up a book and we start reading and we don't like it, we put it down and grab another one. Mm -hmm. Why, so where do we get that kids? You have to stick with the book you picked up or, or this is the book I'm giving you. Um, even on playbooks. So the way we address that is that we have a new technology called text complexifier. So we actually can take any text and stretch it from first grade all the way to about eighth grade. And so, for instance, you know, the reason why is I had a third grader that wanted to read about astronauts. And, and the only books that we had in our library were at the seventh grade level. Well, I'm able to take that text and stretch it all the way down to that child's reading level to where they're not too, it's not too hard, where it's frustrating for the child. And, they, and but it's not too easy either where they're, where they're bored. It's, it's hitting at a level of maximum of comprehension. Oh, that is awesome. Oh my gosh. Where were you 20 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> where was I where was I during COVID yeah. you know if, if we would have had this finished it out when COVID was in fact and if, I mean you saw the reading instruction that was going on over Zoom <laughs> it was it was sad and, and we have we we are we are are witnessing the effects of that right now yeah yeah no I I worked with a lot of um teens during COVID and I'm seeing, you know, the kids that were in um, upper, upper elementary and middle school coming up to that. And, and they're all having issues. They're all having these, like um, so many of the kids are having these mental health issues. And I, yeah. I really believe that a lot of it stems from what they had to go through during COVID and they just don't have that, that motivation or inspiration to learn because it was just nothing was there it was right. it was not good but yeah we, we we really need to figure out a way to motivate this this generation um in, in that in that area um and it's important there i think right now children are only like maybe 30 or 40 percent of the population but 
they're definitely a hundred percent of our future. Uh, and so, you know, we need to figure it out. We do. We do. Well, I am very grateful for you that and everything you're doing. So um, thank you for that because you're you're taking action to fix these issues and um, help our kids and changing our future. So I'm very grateful. Thank you, Dr. Phil, so much for being with us today. No worries. And thank you for inviting me. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Realizing Genius podcast. Head over to realizinggenius.com forward slash podcast for all the show notes and links and to share your ideas of anyone you would like to have me interview. Have a wonderful week realizing your genius.